0: I'm Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Morgan Stanley, a proud sponsor of StoryCorps. Morgan Stanley is committed to giving back and to fostering meaningful dialogue among people and communities. MorganStanley.com.
1: Like every year around this time, you may have noticed that love seems to be in the air. Your local grocery store probably has chocolate hearts and flowers in the window, and top 10 lists of romance movies are making the rounds on social media. But whatever Valentine's Day means to you, whether you're celebrating with a romantic partner or a platonic one, your pet or your favorite bottle of wine, we're bringing you stories from couples who don't need to look at a calendar to remember that they're in love. It's the StoryCorps Podcast from NPR. I'm your host, Camila Kashani. First up, a couple that spent almost a lifetime together. Julia and Joel Healthman met when they were in middle school, and they got married when they were 19 and 20 years old. They came to StoryCorps just a few months shy of their 70th wedding anniversary to remember how it all began.
2: I was playing stickball.
1: I was
3: reading a book.
2: You caught the ball and I came to retrieve it.
3: You were the skinniest person I'd ever seen.
2: And I thought to myself, what a hot babe. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> and the rest is almost history.
3: We became fast friends.
2: And that's all we were. That's I mean, right. There was,
3: there was no hanky-panky. There was no writing my name next to yours. How come you never made a pass at me?
2: You were really beautiful, but you were above fooling you around. I left home for Chicago when I was about 17 and a half. half, I wrote to you and said I was coming back to New York for a week and I would love to see you. Right. Were you enthusiastic about it? No. Oh, okay.
3: I said, well, he's been gone over a year and I haven't even gotten a postcard. And my mother said, he's such a nice boy. You always enjoyed being with him. So I thought, well, I'll listen to my mother.
2: So I came back and we saw each other every day. And then we were walking home in the park.
3: Thursday night.
2: And you stopped and said... I'll say what I said. Go ahead.
3: I said, how much do you like me? A little or a lot? You said, a whole whole lot." lot. And I said, I like you more than any other male except my papa. And then I looked at you and I said...
2: What are we going to do about
3: it? And what did you say?
2: We could get married.
3: And I said, let's. We had never even kissed. We had never held hands. So, you walked me up the five flights of stairs, and then you gave me a kiss on the lips, and that was enough for me. I went into the apartment, and I said, Papa, I'm going to get married. He said, no, you're not. You've got a brain. You're going to make something of yourself. And I said, Papa, there's just something about him that makes me feel I can do things. I know we can build a great life together. I just know it, Papa. And my father looked at me, and he said, I have never doubted your judgment. If this is what you want, I support you in it. And that was that.
2: We're happy, right?
3: Every day I look at you and I say to myself, how was I smart enough to know that this young man would always keep me happy, always make me feel safe, always challenge me?
2: And there's no one that comes anywhere near close to you. Oh, my
3: God, honey. We're both lucky. And I think this is done because what more can we say Mm -hmm. unless I leap across this table and just hug and kiss you?
1: (laughs) That was Julia and Joel Helfman in 2019. Their love story, which eventually included some hanky-panky, created five kids, 11 grandkids, and eight great-grandkids. Unlike the Healthmans, who grew up in the same city, this next couple grew up a world apart. Back in 2007, Rachel Salazar was living in Bangkok, Thailand, and Ruben Salazar was living in Waco, Texas. They didn't know each other existed, but they had one thing in common, their initials, both RPS, which meant that their email addresses were nearly identical. They came to StoryCorps to remember how an accidental keystroke became a stroke of luck.
4: I get to work. First thing I do is turn on my email. When I discovered this one, I I didn't know who it was from. My coworker sent you that
5: email by mistake.
4: And I was like, here's another R.P. Salazar. Imagine that. And so I forwarded it. I wrote a little message. Hi, Rachel. It seems as if this message came to me instead of you. I'm in Waco, Texas, USA. Have a great day. P.S. How's the
5: weather there in Bangkok? I replied to you, weather in Bangkok is lovely. Gracias, Rachel. So began a chain of emails. The first couple of emails, you started describing yourself, and that kind of encouraged me to be open about myself too.
4: I was excited that this person is halfway around the world. It's kind of like sending a letter in a bottle. I happened to hover my mouse over your name on one of those emails, and a picture of you popped up. I was like, wow, she's really beautiful. How can I make this picture bigger? (laughs) I would stay up late at night, which was your morning, and we would chat for like four or five hours.
5: You had started to play an important role in my life, even before I consciously realized it. I knew that I was falling in love, but there's still that tiny little bit of doubt that this might not work because we're 8,000 miles away from each other. But at some point, I finalized my plans to visit the U.S. And you
4: didn't tell anyone.
5: Because everyone would tell me, you're foolish to go halfway across the world to meet some strange guy you have not met. That would be crazy.
4: And on my end, every relative, every friend, co-worker, everyone knew.
5: <laughs> we were together for eight days.
4: We were dancing one night, and you mentioned something to the fact that... You know, I said
5: that uh, you were the sweetest guy I've ever met.
4: And right at that moment, I need to say something or do something so that I don't lose her. And so I got on my money, and asked you to marry me.
5: Deep in my heart, I knew it was coming, and it was the right thing, and it was the best thing.
4: People didn't believe me when I told them I proposed to Rachel. Some of them had second thoughts for me, followed by five minutes of laughter.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They now all tell us, you're perfect for each other. You found the right match.
1: was Ruben and Rachel Salazar remembering their digital love connection for StoryCorps. After the break, a little mood music from 1950s Brooklyn. Stay with us.
0: Support for the StoryCorps podcast and the following message come from Subaru. When the pandemic began, Subaru and its retailers donated 50 million meals to local food banks. The need is still so great, they're doing it again. Through the Subaru Love Promise, Subaru and its retailers across the country are making a donation to provide an additional 100 million meals to Feeding America. This action will help make meals available at 199 local food banks across the country. The Subaru Love Promise. It's one more reason why Subaru is more than a car company.
6: My name is Peter Sagal, and I'm here to interrupt your very serious NPR podcast to tell you about another NPR podcast, mainly mine, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Chances are that right now you're enjoying an earnest, serious treatment of some serious topic in the news or perhaps history or science. That's great, really. Well, that's not what we do, because people cannot live on serious alone. Listen now to the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me podcast from NPR.
1: Our next story starts with a song. It was 1950s Brooklyn, and Jay McKnight was in his late teens. Him and his friends would spend their nights singing a cappella on their block. Their vocals caught the attention of a lot of people in the neighborhood. But for Jay, there was one person in the crowd who caught his attention. At StoryCorps, Jay and his wife Andrea remember what drew them to each other.
6: We heard these voices, the guys singing on the corner. And this tall, dark fellow was singing. He had these shades on. I was like, look at this guy. Voice was fabulous. And young as I was, at the time, I think I was, what, 14? I said, nah, he's not even going to take
7: notice of me. I was 18 going on 19 years of age. I looked at a friend of mine who I was singing with, and I said, I'm going to marry her. You know what he told me? They're going <laughs> to jail she's <laughs> too young. I said, no, I'm really going to marry her. So one day, she was by herself. I said, I'm going to talk to her now. As a young guy, you drop your voice Just on the Just trying words. to impress. Yeah, I said, says, says, hi, how you doing? Like that, you know, that's <laughs> Which impress. made me nervous. Yeah, which <laughs> to impress.
6: You remember the thing that impressed me about you? We were on the bus coming from the movies, and it started thundering and poured down rain. Getting off the bus, there was a puddle, and you took your shirt off. <laughs> yeah.
7: That and was laid crazy.
6: it down. I was finished. Yeah.
7: Finished. You hear? We actually wanted to get married, but everybody in her family wanted to kill me. (laughs) So our parents got together and talked. It was a talk and a half. It was. You had to come and speak to my
6: grandmother.
7: I was scared and she was (laughs) terrified, but we did get married. We did. I was no better roses to live with because I'm an entertainer. There's a lot of temptation out there when you see it. I mean, there's a lot, but I used to tell them, when you get as pretty as my wife, then we'll talk.
6: Why do you think that we lasted as long as we did?
7: We like the same things. Cowboy movies, we're crazy about them. That's the reason why (laughs) things get along so well, because we have a lot in common. No, seriously. I think it's because we grew up together.
6: Did you ever think that we would grow all together?
7: I never thought I would ever grow old. That's to start (laughs) off with. People look at it sometimes and say, y'all still holding hands, that's right. Our children say that to us. Yeah, but no other woman in the world ever moved me. And I'll always love you no matter what.
1: Andrea McKnight in 2011 in New York City. And finally, a love story that's literally battle tested. Mike Rudolph was 20 years old when he joined the Marines. He deployed to Iraq in 2003, right in the middle of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era. This meant that people who were gay couldn't openly serve in the military. When Mike came to StoryCorps, he sat down with his now-husband, Neil Rafferty, to talk about how their love story began when Mike got back from his first deployment.
0: I logged into the internet one day, and I met you. We talked on the phone. All
8: night long, until the sun came up.
0: By the end of the week, we were saying I love you over the phone.
8: Right, and then the first time I actually got to see you. We kissed. Yeah, in your parents' front driveway, so they couldn't see anything. (laughs) And I just remember we drove to the woods
0: and we laid in the back of the truck and looked at the stars I'd fallen in love with you. You had fallen in love with me. I mean, this is perfect
8: But then all of a sudden you find out you have to get deployed again in a month And I remember being like let's just make the most of it. So we spent every
0: single day together Yeah, and then it was that last night that we had together and I was leaving that very next day and I packed my bags I remember sitting in the bed, crying in my mother's arms, not able to tell her exactly why I'm crying. That was the
8: worst part. I couldn't tell my mom. And then you were gone. And you were in Iraq. I'd write you letters and sign them as Lisa in case they were ever found. And you'd call me every once in a while. But you did not call me for like three weeks. And I just remember one day finally crying in my mother's arms. And I told her I haven't heard from Mike It's so long. She was like, why are you so worried about him? And I said, because I love him. That was when I came out to my mother. And she just held me and said that she knew already (laughs) that we weren't nearly (laughs) as sneaky as we thought we were.
0: (laughs) And then I got back from Iraq and you told me, Mike, I don't ever want you to go to Iraq alone again. I said, well, I'm sorry if I get the opportunity, I'm going. And then you said, I know and I want to go with you. So, you joined the Marines for me, man. We were both in the infantry. We were both in the same unit. And we got through it with only a few people catching wind of it. And then you left
8: the Marine Corps after that.
0: I was so sick of living a lie as a Marine. I was ready to bust out of the closet with rainbows and glitter. And that's where we are now, man.
8: Yeah, we are what we are because of our insistence on being with one another.
0: There's two imperfect people refusing to give up on each other, and I can't wait to see where we go with this life.
1: That's Mike Rudolph with his husband, Neil Rafferty, in Birmingham, Alabama. In 2018, Neil ran for office in their home state, and he won, making him the first openly gay man to be elected into the Alabama legislature. Neil and Mike eloped that same year, and someday, once this pandemic is over, they plan on celebrating their marriage with some of their fellow Marines in attendance. That's all for this episode of the StoryCorps podcast. To read about the music we use in this episode, head to storycorps.org. While you're there, you can also check out original artwork created by Lindsay Mound. This episode was produced by me with help from Sylvie Lubau and edited by Judd Esty Kendall. Our technical director is Jared Floyd who also composed our theme song our fact checker is Natsumi Ajisaka special thanks to StoryCorps producers Michael Garofalo John White Aisha Turner Eleanor Vasili and Jasmine Morris and facilitators Carolina Escobar and Virginia Laura for the StoryCorps podcast I'm Camila Kishani. catch you next week This podcast is brought to you by supporters of StoryCorps, an independently funded nonprofit organization, and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.